1: WWE's favorite Hall of Famer, Oklahoma's favorite son, all the above, Mr. Gerald Briscoe. He's waiting on a hurricane right now. And we got the best rider in the history of riding since Shakespeare. Mr. Brian Gearworks, also known as Brian Gearworks, has a book out, There's Simply One Little Problem. Uh, it's a great book because I bought it on Amazon for $27, and it was worth every single penny. He's also the only rider to ever go to wrestler's court. So, We have Brian Gawertz, my old Mets buddy who's in a Buffalo Bills hat. Brian,
2: welcome to the show. Well, it's also football season. I want to spread the love a little bit. Um, And thank you. Thank you for prosecuting me in wrestler's court. Thank you for screwing up the name of the title of the book. There's just one little problem. There's just one problem is the name of it, technically speaking. That's kind of what I said. Well, that's curious to say don't get hot because I'm I have the over under on don't get hot at about 25. <laughs> I learned it's English well, bro, in the I'm, same I learned English in the same geographical region of the states
1: that Michael Hayes did. So, I have an excuse. Wow. It's not my first Fair language. We enough.
0: plan on getting into a lot of Michael Hayes uh legendary stories a little bit later, but Brian man you know, you're wearing you're wearing your Bills hat, man. I know you took a lot of ribbing, you know, when you first came to WWE about being number one a Bills fan and being a Mets fan, you know. And you took it took it a whole uh, really really good heartedly and everything. Now, after all of your loyalty is finally paying off, you're Mets at the top of the league, thanks to a Tampa boy, Alonzo Lonzo Kennedy, a Tampa boy. They're there at the top of the league, and and even though Buffalo got beat last night, I still believe they're the best team in, in the
2: AFC. So,
0: man, finally, congratulations, and your orange. Let's, don't forget your orange. Got got oh, a big Syracuse
2: is yeah. very good this year. Yeah. I don't. I don't even know what to do with myself. This is not the natural order of things. <laughs> have the Mets, the Bills, and Syracuse all good at the same time?
0: Well, when we're after- going to change your life right now. Yeah. <laughs> so you've been on the podcast, man. Thanks so much. As you can see, I I, 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 you, you, you graciously sent me your book, you know. Yeah. And, I, and I didn't have to go on Amazon. John, 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 John jumped the gun and he wanted to read it before I did, even though I got it a week after I finished it, like a week before, because those Texans are a little slow when it comes to, to reading. You
1: know? <laughs> the big word is me.
0: Anyway, it was a great book, and you open up with with a, with a great story, but uh, about Rassler's court, about JBL being a prosecutor, but. You know, take us to a little, little before wrestler court. When you first walked into a WWE building, you know how how that process came about and everything.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, I, mean, I really started working at WWE completely by accident. You know, it was never it was never my intention to become a WWE writer, even though I love WWE. Starting. You know, I was like right the right age. I was 11 years old when the first WrestleMania hit. So, I mean, that's that's pretty perfect. Um, I remember going to sleepaway camp and people were, you know, first exposure to Pro Wrestling Illustrated and the full color pullouts. And eventually we read other periodicals that probably, you know, would be a little bit more risque in the world. But at the time, 11 years old, it was mainly Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Um, and yeah, that like, that, you know, drew me in. Saturday morning shows, the syndicated shows, superstars and everything else, Saturday night's main event, when I could stay up that late. Um, as you guys know, Roddy, big, big influence in me. That's who, uh, that was my guy. You know, Vince is always like, you know, you got to find who's your guy and who's your girl, you know, like that kind of thing. Who's your favorite? For me, it was Roddy. And yeah, I used to go to Nassau Coliseum, Madison Square Garden as a kid. Um, and yeah, complete accident, you know, we studying and and yearning to be a television writer or sitcom writer. Um, And then, you know, a gig at MTV basically led to uh, a gig at MTV and, and Vince Russo and Ed Ferrara leaving for WCW. Those two things combined kind of led to uh, me getting the opportunity to come to WWE and being, you know, one of two writers at the time, only two. It was me and Tommy Blacha, as you guys remember. I remember Tommy well. I, I love Tommy. That yeah, that wasn't
0: was, uh, that wasn't your original. Uh, uh, to yeah, Tom, Tommy was was a great guy. Tommy Tommy still corresponds with me every once in a while. I believe he's still up in Detroit area, up in that area there. But uh, wrestling wasn't, wasn't your your first want. You as you said, uh, you know, you wanted to to be a sitcom writer. So you went out to Hollywood. And you 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 had an opportunity to write several several. Uh, uh sitcoms out there and then then you had the opportunity to uh, uh i believe it was your sister or something mtv was becoming hot and that rock and wrestling to to start some uh start spreading out a little bit to mtv so you jumped on that that was your first introduction besides being a fan right
2: yeah yeah that was my first besides you know i i did get to do one uh meet and greet at the anaheim pond when <laughs> we all lived out there um i forget exactly circumstances behind oh I think it was because my college professor professor Thompson of Syracuse um he was also McFoley's professor when McFoley went to Cortland um and you know through some machinations we got a nice attitude era meet and greet I think it was with the headbangers you know um, there are pictures out there with me and all my college buddies you know with the headbangers (laughs) having the time of our lives but that was you know when when WWE did those specials on MTV uh, yeah, you're right, Jerry. Uh, my sister was I, I wrote in the book an intern. She corrected me. She was a fully fledged production assistant at the time. She was hired. She was no longer interning. Um, and yeah, I, I worked with, you know, Rock and Mick and Triple H on a bunch of uh, on a couple of specials. And I think it was Rock who recommended like, hey, you should go interview with WWE, see what happens. Um, and so, yeah, that led to this crazy day of You know, driving from my parents' house on Long Island into Stanford, um, only getting lost once. I ended up in the Bronx on the way back home. That was fun. Uh This is before GPS and navigation. uh, Very howering (laughs) experience. But uh, yeah, I met with HR. I met with Russo and Ferrara. I met with Shane McMahon. And then I ended the interview day with Vince McMahon, which is crazy because I still had had an inflatable Bopham Steve Austin thing (laughs) in my apartment in LA at the time. Like, this is not a very, um, you know, professional person going in to do these interviews, but I did it. And one <laughs> well, thing was- is, How do you interview to be a writer? Um. Well, first of all, you you don't do what I did. Because, <laughs> you know, as I pointed out in the book, like HR was HR, that's fine. They'll tell you about, you know, your, your key card and that kind of thing. Um, Russo and Ferrara, all I talked about was, what wrestlers are you thinking of spinning off into sitcoms and or dramas or movies, which is the last thing you should be bringing up when you're you know, trying to be a writer at WWE for the product at hand, Raw and SmackDown and all that. So that didn't go well. With Shane, um, I complained about how none of the sports bars in LA can get Mets games. Um, so I'm looking forward to being home so I could watch them locally. He did not care for that one bit. Um, <laughs> he's a Yankees fan he used to threaten
0: non-sports fans i mean that that entire family i've never seen anything like it they're just not sports fans besides wwe
2: yeah well shane used to uh especially when the wilpons you know owned the mets which they did my entire time in wwe he used to like tease me he's like hey brian how about uh thinking about you know maybe uh maybe we buy the mets i'm like oh that would be great yeah i'm thinking about moving them to jersey like he just (laughs) could do that just to get me upset um but yeah, like um, when I finally interviewed with Vince, and it was supposed to be Vince and Linda originally, but Linda had another meeting. So it was just me and Vince. And that's when I just said, screw it. This is, you know, this is where I'm just going to talk about my love of WWE. And I brought up our Royal Rumble pools that we had in college. I brought up my favorite angles, my favorite matches, my favorite pay per views, and all that. And so unsurprisingly, in hindsight, that was the portion of the interview day that went the best he was like into it he never heard of royal rumble pools before you know my um my sick wwe gambling uh connection somehow uh popped vince in the room when we were talking about it and, oh uh, pal. <laughs> yeah well I, I told him the story was like we used to not pick numbers which is what you're supposed to do instead we picked uh names which is very risky because as you know sometimes the names all don't show up but one guy got both well and done from the tag team. well done. Those were his two entries. And Vince is like, ha, 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 that guy's not gonna win. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's what really you know the process is completely completely different now. You know, then now now I think you like you you write a sample, um you write like an angle. They read your materials before they even interview you. Um, all that type of stuff. But back then it was like completely just making it up as we go. And, uh, you know, one thing led to another and that's what, you know, brought me in to that world. So those are the sure. only two
1: writers at the time were, were Russo and Ferrara, were the only two. And then you were the third?
2: As far as I know, I mean, I think there might've been one other, like more junior type writer, but all three of them went to WCW. So, um, you know, that's when, you know, because i originally... You know, Vince said, "I'll make you an offer you can't refuse, and you'll come work for us." Uh, but I did refuse it because it was an offer to write on WWF.com at the time, and it's just like, uh, dude, I'm not like leaving. I've written on three shows. I'm in the Writers Guild. I'm not going to, you know, leave Hollywood to go, you know, write about the big boss man's, you know, favorite, you know, snacks or whatever they were writing at WWF.com at the time. No offense. So. I went back, I started writing on another show, um, and then I got the call. I got the call that uh, there's been an opening. There's been a situation, as it was described. <laughs> yeah, a
1: situation. Uh,
2: so this so is in October. what was it
1: like when you came in? Because you know, we didn't know what was going on. You know, Russo and Farrar you know, goes down to, to WCF. Jerry may have a much more better insight than I did. It's just the talent. But we didn't know if Russo had all this, the shows in his head, or if he had the shows with him. What was it
2: like when you first got there? I mean, when I first got there, I started November 1st, 99. I remember that day. I forget a lot of days, but I remember that day specifically. Uh, I showed up extra early. I did not bring my luggage because it didn't occur to me that we would drive to the next town after the show. So I left all my stuff in the uh, hotel room like an idiot. Um, I got, you know, I, you know again, I detail that in the book, but I know, you know, we, there were no smartphones you know we had I had a very I think I had a folder with uh an email printed from Vince's assistant at the time and that's what ultimately let me into the building because they weren't letting me into the building some guy showed up it looked like he was 16 saying like oh I work here now and no they had to like you know they're like who are you Uh, no one told us about it they had to call Sean Selman you know who works backstage and he ultimately came and inspected the folder with the email, and he's like, "All right, I guess this guy, uh i guess this guy works for us now." You know, and then I got with uh, I saw. I'm, Dr. So, I'm
0: sorry, I'm getting a, a hurricane warning. Oh damn, <laughs> Jerry, get out of there! We can actually right, watch ahead.
1: Jerry die today, which yeah. well, you great.
0: wanted it on the show. Harry, so I'm sorry, <laughs> Brian. Right.
1: I Finish your story. Jerry, Jerry's no, I, like Michael Hayes. We think he died about 20 years ago. We're not sure. He still, are you okay
2: are you are they okay to be there yeah
0: it, it's we'll not see. storming outside yet but that, right. that, that's just a tornado warning down the
1: street <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's a horrible way to go jerry having to stay there by well listening to me yammering on about dr tom pritchard telling me to sit at the front table in the production meeting of my first day at wwe yep. Well tell us about Dr. It Tom really.
0: Yeah, what, what happened there, I, I've been, this isn't the time where I came out, Why? Well, I remember I had to come This just a couple weeks later, I think I had to come out and, and get you in the building one
2: time. Yeah, it did happen multiple times because I didn't get the <laughs> um, It wasn't exactly the tightest run ship, no, Dr. Tom was the only one in the production meeting at the time when I got there, he was there super early. And I'm like, oh, cool. I know Dr. Tom. I know who he is. I know. I didn't really know, you know, his full prowess at the time. Uh, you know, I'm not going to bring up the body Donna's or anything like that. I'm going to try to play a right. cool professional. Um, and, and then, you know, we we're just talking. I'm like the new person. And He's like, what do you do? I said, oh, I'm, I'm the new writer, or one of the new writers. And he's like, oh, well, you're not supposed to be sitting here. You should sit up there. And he pointed to the front of the table. Um, which technically he was correct because if you recall at the time, like all the writers used to sit at the front of the table back when there was like a writing team of like less than four. So we were all up there, but you know, the room was filling up and I'm just sitting there at the front because Vince and and Triple H and Shane and Stefan, everyone was late. So it was just like a room full of people and me. And I'm like not introducing myself to anybody, which is the exact opposite of what it should have been doing. I should have been out of that chair and like literally walking up to everybody, shaking everyone's hand. Instead, it was like, hey, how's it, what's that? I'm just like, mm-hmm. That's uh, horrendous. Yeah. Uh, and then they came in, <coughs> to answer your question, John, like, no, I mean, at least by November 1st, um, and I don't think there was like much in the way of stuff that was already written anyway, because it was very week to week, especially when SmackDown came and it was a different live show every single week. You know, we had a little bit more um, time to plan things out when it was the old way, pre-smackdown, of raw live, raw taped on Tuesday, and then like literally 12 days until you have to write TV again. This was now, it was two shows a week, every single week. So I remember, yeah, Vince came in, like the card, he had a rudimentary card written like on the, on a napkin or something like that. <laughs> and he started reading the segments. Um, I keep waiting for him to introduce who the hell I am. He never did. <laughs> he, he forgot. Um, and then we were off to the races, you know, and at the time it was, you know, me and Tommy Blotcher running around with yellow notepads, if you remember that, just like walking up to any wrestler saying, hey, do you need help with the promo or anything? Um, we're here if you want it. <laughs> it, was, it was very, very 1.0 in the uh, evolution of the uh, WWE writing position. Did you know Tommy before that? No, I didn't know who he was. Um, I knew, obviously, you know, it's funny because he was a longtime writer at Conan um, and I was an intern at Conan, but I was an intern at Conan. Conan's like the end of his first season. And I think Tommy started shortly thereafter. that. So we never crossed paths. Um, And I think he was famously had, you know, bleach blonde uh, hair and was wearing clogs. I think this was, way, was well before well before the uh, WWE dress code. Um,
1: and <laughs> he so told me no, we,
2: uh, we're doing a backstage. He did all of me and Ron's uh, uh, APA stuff. I, we we love Tommy. He told yeah, us we're not what to APA. What's that? He pitched the APA originally. Did he really? Yeah, I remember like you know, Tommy pitched the APA and he also pitched the original something that Jerry is very familiar with, the original um Hardcore title. I mean, not the hardcore title, 24-7. 24/7. Yeah. Making the hardcore title 24-7.
1: Hey, Tommy did a Sunday night heat one time. He just had us, uh, ch- Kiantai chasing us, us chasing Kiantai. Stu- stupid story, but it, it was a thread throughout the whole show. He did like a 4.1 on Sunday night. Yeah. I mean, that was when the ratings were different and the, you know, the, the world was different. But t- t- I love Tommy. I thought Tommy was great. Yeah, no, we we still keep in touch. I talk to him every now and then. He told us one time, he said, guys, you got to get this right this time. I said, why? Are we going live? He goes, no, you're slurring your words. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Ronnie got drunk. <laughs> That's well, the only, only time ever. Just
2: that time?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, only
2: yeah. once. I don't think you guys are in it anymore, but, you know, we still do the XFL, which is not the new football league coming out, but the – it's E-X-F-L – which is the uh, weekly football pick 'em pool of ex WWE employees along with current ones. Um, you know, and pick seven teams every every week. Um, he's still in that, and so am I. And uh, and freaking Kasama wins it every year. So I don't know why we end up doing is, it.
0: But... Is that that one that we've you've had
2: forever? I think I used to be in that. The yeah, guy. you. Both- you, you you should be in it. Yeah,
0: I well, I to send me that. Send me the email. It hadn't changed.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, well, Nick uh, Manfredini runs it now, uh, so uh, I'll have to let him know. But it's all it's all computer based. Back in my day, I used to just tally them all up, write yeah. them, you know, on the road as Ed and I were driving to town to town because they know, you guys know, no one trusts me to drive because I will fall asleep almost immediately. Uh, I, I, our, I remember
0: BFG Lizard or something like that. Well, that was the
2: old AOL. Uh.
0: <laughs> Years ago, yeah. It don't exist anymore. Yeah,
2: you talk I, about think John, right? I think uh,
0: John and I are the only two that still use AOL mail. That's right.
2: You know, uh, there, there are a lot of, um, what's the best word? To you, legend. Oh. Uh, <laughs> whenever I get their email, uh, it's still the old AOL one. So, congrats! Congrats for staying uh, loyal. Well, thank you. Yeah, Michael Hayes is doot, doot, doot.com on email. Yeah. Doot, doot, doot. <laughs> Michael doesn't. He doesn't do emails. No, he doesn't do emails. <laughs> so, Jerry, you talk about money
1: in Mets fans. Brian and I had season tickets together to the Mets, and we uh, they were they were like really not that close. Actually, the game would end. Like an hour before it got to us. That's how far <laughs> back our seats were.
0: Uh, you know, I, I've been getting a lot of lot of requests on on, on that social media junk and uh, you know, to clarify for Brian, you know, they've heard your story a million times and you know, all the way over to LaGuardia, you know, and and a, and a crown room you could from your words closer than your seats. Uh, <laughs> That's to, right. Uh, Brian, Brian would you would you take a minute or two to clarify? You know how how great your seats were actually. First are. Of, of all, so
1: it done. looked
2: like a normal sized baseball from where we were. <laughs> so let me uh, let me explain this, and I'll do it without visuals, even though I've sent John visuals. Chase <laughs> Stadium consisted of the orange seats, which was the field level seats, which I know a big fancy millionaire make more money now, John Brad Shelley field on uh, amazon.com. It's uh, had more money. Now you talk about me
1: butchering your book yeah. and I'll send you one of mine for free. Oh, I have, have a lot of them because nobody wants to buy them.
2: I got one. <laughs> so there's the orange seat, which is field level. And then right above it is the loge level, which consists of box seats, which are like the first, like three rows. And then general, you know, with the long stuff, you know, seats one through 20 in a long row. Uh, And then there's mezzanine that does the same deal. That's the green seats. And then there's upper deck, which is the red seats, which also has box seats and then general. And the way John would describe it, you would think we were in the last row of the upper deck. We had loge box seats, which is... by the way, not in the outfield either. This is like literally like right in between third base and home. Loge box seats, which they were like the perfect seats. And, they, and I have them in my apartment in New York because I bought them. Because John you bought didn't the watch.
1: seats when the yeah. stadium collapsed or whatever it was because it was like 150 years old, the stadium, when we went. <laughs> oh, and I yeah. Seats.
2: yeah, and I wanted to get the little, you know, the, the little placard that came with it that said Gewurz Layfield, and Morphy, we we also split it with Raphael Morphy, and, Morphe, and uh, they lost that. So I we no, I never got that, but I do have the seats, and they are great seats. And I know, I know John is accustomed to sitting like the in the, in the like right behind home plate or right above the dugout. So in relation to that, yes, they are not what you know. <laughs> they're not they're Layfield
0: seats. to,
2: but for any other regular normal human being, they're amazing seats. But I think John only went to like two out of the thirty games he had tickets for, so <laughs> I might not remember them as well as I did because I'd show up to every. And yeah, he, he
0: was probably it. not not sober either when they attended. It.
2: And, yeah, the best
1: part, Jerry. The best part was this was awesome. So I worked on Wall Street, and then at the Fulton Fish Market, they had a ferry that took you all the way to Shea Stadium. Yeah. So you, you get on the on the boat and you ride up top, have a drink, smoke a cigar, and go all the way to Shea Stadium, watch the game. Then I take the ferry back to like 55th or something like that? A lot of times Brian would do the same thing. We'd take it back to there and then we get off and go back to our homes. It was awesome taking I the, love ferry the ferry them.
2: They don't do it anymore, I don't think. Hopefully, Steve Cohn can bring back the ferry. I don't know if he has anything to do with it, but the ferry was tremendous. The ferry was awesome. I mean, it yeah. was
1: it was so cool to get on the ferry with a bunch of Mets fans and they're all going up to the game, they're all drinking, smoking cigars on the ferry oh, going up there, watch the game. And then yeah. take the ferry on the way back, especially if they win, then everybody's
2: excited. Yeah, no offense to the seven local, but yeah, the ferry is definitely the way to go. <laughs> <There is no laughs> way to go. No, but trust me, it's definitely better. So still, do you still have those
0: seats, uh, Brian?
2: Well, those seats, yeah. I mean, those seats are um, in my apartment, yeah. which, you know, if I was there now- I'm We can in show us, uh, we
0: yeah, we're a show
2: them. For season three of Young Rock. Um, But, you know, John would actually be proud because I finally gave in, you know, they they did this uh, gimmick where if you buy a 20 game pack for 2023 season tickets at City Field, you're eligible to have 2022 postseason tickets. Um, And I and I went in on that, even though I might not even be there for a lot of it. But I, you know, I said, I I don't care. I just want to have that option. And so my 2022 postseason tickets. Which I'll have for every other game is the tickets that John thinks my Shea Stadium tickets are. <laughs> they are in the upper deck, literally the last row of the upper deck, <laughs> is where I'll be watching postseason baseball, and it will be worth every cent. But that's you know that's w- where the narrative of our Shea Stadium tickets would be accurate in my 2022 City Field post. I don't know. I don't know if anyone cares about this, but I just yeah, yeah, they me. do.
0: I've got at least three requests to ask Brian about the season three. So you know, and a couple of them, uh, attorney and, and, and New York City that go to some Mets games, and I actually went to a Tampa Bay Ray game with the with the gentleman down here. But thanks for clearing that up. And you know who'll be the Mets in a playoff? You know who'll be the first one to ask you, "Hey Brian, can I use your seat if you're not able to do it?" <laughs> That guy's that up in the corner. Well,
1: especially because he's busy with The Rock filming Young Rock and Tales of the Territories,
2: which apparently comes out with you, Jerry, on October 4th, apparently. That's right. I mean, uh, Jerry Briscoe, absolute legend, uh, is uh, we have a show called Tales from the Territories, creating, um, we created it with the creators of Dark Side of the Ring, uh, Evan Hunsey and Jason Eisner, and it's coming out on Vice very, very soon. October 4th, a different territory, every single episode. Um, And Mr. Briscoe was nice enough to grant us our request to have him on um, for the Florida Territory episode. So um, this is going to be really, really fun. I've seen cuts of the show, obviously. um, It's great. I think you guys and wrestling fans in general are really going to like it. Well,
0: Brian, I appreciate it. I really appreciate being asked for that. And I, I got to tell you, you know, you watch the dark, you watch Vice TV, watch The Dark Side of the Ring. I wasn't really wild about doing, it, but you, you, you personally called me and, and then told me, and, and man, going to Atlanta, you guys flew us up to Atlanta and uh, at a great studio. We were in really, really, uh, 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 really good studio and and the people there were so prepared for for the show that's what that's what really impressed me and the other guys on the panel was just how knowledgeable they were and how much research they had done and and the questions they asked so it's just not some generic show we really get in depth and a lot of the questions we tell some old stories that john loves me i'd uh, love telling about eddie Graham drunk flying the plane and all this <laughs> stuff but, you know, all, all of us told the same story, so it's not just me making <laughs> it.
1: Wait, 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 Jerry. If, I'm sorry, I'm going to cut you off, Jerry, but I got I to – you know, one of the best stories about Ed Graham's plane was Rocky Johnson jumping out of the plane while it's yeah. taxiing, while it's going well, it's down. it's on fire. It's on fire,
0: yeah. It's on because fire. Because the
1: plane got caught on fire because somebody yeah. might might have been smoking a little weed in the back. It yeah, got yeah. caught the plane on fire. And Rocky <laughs> Johnson jumped out of the plane while it was moving. Yeah. We'll catch wow, down the
0: runway when he opened that door. I'm getting out of here. I'm getting no. out of here, man. Rocky's gone. <laughs> and pretty soon everybody's following behind him because We can see the smoke metal out of the bathroom. there.
2: But you know what, Jerry, to your point, that was, you know, that's what I was telling you on the phone was like, you know, dark side. Some people really like it. Some people, you know, don't. And, you know, it's a, it's a fine, it's a really good show. Um, but we wanted our show to be different we wanted this new show to not you know to really capture the wild the crazy the unbelievable like these stories that you know we would hear backstage all the time at WWE as writers coming in you know we had we were able especially when I started and and the agents you know the producers slash agents of, of you and Pat and Jack Lanza you know like this this like hall of fame row of of legendary storytellers and everything um like that like sitting in those meetings waiting <laughs> for moments and everybody to show up and hearing these stories like that's really more the inspiration um than anything on dark side you know because dark side it's its own entity but we wanted to do something you know that's a little different obviously rock you know being third generation uh, has has heard a ton of these territory stories as well and really wanted to you know like let's capture that. Let's let's take it out from the locker rooms and have it, you know, on a on a national audience level. Was, was that I'm your suggestion,
0: you... or was that uh, Dwayne's suggestion that you do the territories? Because that that's something that John John's talked about for a long time. You know, yeah. WWE should do, or somebody should do the territory days. It's always it's...
2: you know we've always had that idea. All of you know just and I know lots of people have had that idea. And it's, you know, you know, between podcasts and everything else, you know, it's 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 you know, it's something that anyone who's heard a territory story or two, you know, would obviously, you know, shine to and say, hey, that could be a great TV series. So, you know, when we met, you know, we had a general with Evan and Jason, the dark side creators, um, years ago. Um, and we're like, hey, we we've been thinking about a territory show and he was like wow that's funny because we've also been thinking of a territory show and chavo guerrero who works on the show had also been thinking of a territory show so we all like, kind of got together um and and pitched it to vice and they were like yeah let's do it so it all it all came together you know uh, quite nicely once uh, you know we all you know finally were able to pitch it
1: i saw an interview you did brian
2: and you're talking about
1: the show and it was really cool the way you said it well you know because it's true all of these territories were were worlds within themselves and you had your huge stars, you had your crazy stories, but you had 30 of them around the country or whatever the number was. And every territory had their own dynamic. That was so unique to that territory. And now it's so cool to interview these guys because the statute of limitations is out, you know, you interview a guy. Now you, he can't talk about what he did last week, but you interview a guy and ask him about what he did in 78 yeah, care at all. It just tells you the whole story, you don't. shit. because it doesn't matter anymore. You don't have to hide behind the veil. You don't have to kayfabe. You don't have to, none, none of that's there. You're just going to tell the story, which I think is such a wonderful idea.
2: Yeah, no, thanks. And, and the beauty of it is, you know, there, there isn't an hour's worth of Memphis stories or Portland stories or Florida or, or, you know, world-class, you know, there's, Tons, there's see, literally seasons worth of stories. So we can go back to these territories in seasons two, three, beyond, um, you know, whether it's the same panel, different panel, there's just so much to tell um, that, uh, yeah, this is, you know, it's just basically a uh, a fountain of uh, great, unbelievable, but true stories that, uh, that we have at our disposal. Yeah, when you start hearing some of
1: these stories, they're hard to believe. You know, it's funny, because I, I sat around with some friends a while back, and they said, hey, tell us a wrestling story that's kind of wild. I start telling it to them, and they're looking at me like, that can't be true. And I thought, why am I even telling you? <laughs> You're not going to believe me. And it's 100% true. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the guys back then, you know, I, I thought it was a, 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 lot of, a confluence of a lot of factors. You had really entertaining, creative, crazy guys, and you had no outlet like social media or cell phones or anything. So all you had was each other and a lot of boredom and that made for some incredible stories because of all that together and too, john and brian we're in a damn car for
0: eight hours i mean you know you <laughs> got you gotta be right. you got no phone that you can sit there and you know read the latest news you, you had to you had to come up with shit out there on the road or you wasn't asked to be back in that car the next week You know, that's <laughs> so right you had, to, you had to contribute every every time you were in a car there so it just made it made traveling so much uh, better and quicker, you know, to share those stories. And you always, when the new guy would come into the territory, you'd want that new guy traveling with you because you'd want to know what was going on in his territory and what, you know, what what got what, what over there and, you know, how he and he's wanting to know what what, what he could do to get over in your territory. So it, it was a great, great educational uh, system that we had there just, just sitting in the backseat of the car and, you know, you hear all of those stories, you know, old timers used to tell kids, you know, sit back there and shut your mouth. That was a fact. <laughs> you just sat back there and you shut your mouth and you did say it, but you learned so much of doing it, you know? And I think that's what Brian and, and Dwayne show uh, tells of the territory going to bring to the forefront. And there were, like Brian said, there were individual stars in each one of these territories. We've had a lot of guys on our show, John, that, you know, that was regionalized. And, and that's a shame that, you know, they're not known, uh, you know, nationwide or globally, like, like a lot of WWE guys, but they are, in their time, they were just as big as stars and they were selling out every building. The building might not have been as big as, as the buildings they're selling out now, but they, they sold out the buildings that they had there. So, you know, it was a wonderful time in our business. And I, I really think that this show that, that's coming on VICE TV tells the territory is going to just really enhance the stories and enhance the the of, of 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 those territories. There, so I appreciate Brian. What it was, I I had a really enjoyable eight nine hours, whatever it was there. The guys, like I said, were very knowledgeable, very professional. And if you didn't want to talk about something, you know, they were great. You know, let's go on to the next thing. So yeah. uh, we all had a great time there. I, I think uh, every one of I, I can only speak to the one I did for Florida, but i'm sure every one of them was just as quality as that one was so congratulations i
2: think you got it yeah there. i think you'll really like the finished product because you know we we do the round table which you were a part of and then as you know we shoot these recreations uh up in canada and then the stories that you guys are talking about are sitting around the round table then come to life and then you know and then going back to you and then back to the story and everything else so it's really it's really cool. I I think um I think wrestling fans are really going to like it. I can't wait to see the finished product. Yeah. You guys are basically a
1: podcast on steroids, right? <laughs> I mean really. I mean like the Young Rock it, it's just it's a podcast, it's just recreations and it's it's televised. You know it's a show instead. And you know yeah. but, but well, the concept is very much the same. It's it's a telling of what
2: others have tried to do. You guys are just doing it visually in a much better way. Hopefully, yeah, that's the idea. <laughs> Um, but segueing for a second, John, cause you mentioned Young Rock, Young Rock, um, comes out one month after Territories, literally one month, uh, November 4th, Territories is October 4th. Um, so yeah, in the past, Young Rock was, you know, out in, I think, January, out in March, we were shooting in Australia. Um, that's all, that's all been changed. Now we're coming out November 4th. Um, we've already shot, you know, um, we shot all of uh, of Rock stuff, his timeline, he started posting. He, this is the first time he's actually able to physically meet the cast members playing his family um, because we had Zooms and everything where, yeah. you know, where he would talk about his dad and his mom and his mom would be on Zooms too uh, and his grandmother and his grandfather, um, but never actually physically in the same town because he would shoot His stuff in either Atlanta or LA in the past, and we were always shooting in Australia, Uh, and now all of it is here in Memphis. So he was actually able to meet, um, you know, Uli and and Joe Anderson and Bradley and Adrian, all all the all the versions of Young Rock, as well as you know Joe who plays his dad, um, Stacy who plays his mom. It was really really cool. I know he's posted about it on Instagram, Um, and yeah, now. This season um, is crazy because this season, you know, it's Dwayne, a.k.a. The Rock, in the Attitude Era. You know, it's the Rocky Mayavia turning into The Rock period of time. So, you know, you'll, we'll see, you know, without spoiling anything, but you'll see a lot of Attitude Era stars. Uh, Some were on the show last year. there is going to be a lot. Uh, of of new characters who are very very familiar to wrestling fans uh, on the show this year. If you know if you know the story of Rocky Maivia, you can probably guess um, who it is. But a lot of close personal friends of you. Um, you both. You um, both. I know. I know who they might be. Yeah, exactly. There might be a whole a whole nation of people. If you, <laughs> <Tremendous>. <laughs> well put. Uh,
1: what, yeah. a, what a great time in his career though. I mean that was that. That faction was awesome. That faction—I don't know if it's you consider it underrated because I don't know where they rate it—but that faction was incredible.
2: Oh yeah, it's it's really really cool and and to see these come to life. Um, and then at the same time too, because you know it's multiple timelines. Um, we're we're headed right into the uh, rock and wrestling era. Um, you know, in the mid '80s, with uh, you know with Hogan and Piper. And a whole bunch of other, like, you know, stars of that era, both, uh, both wrestling and Hollywood from, uh, you know, the 1985 era. So it's absolutely uh, so cool to see it all come to life. And, yeah, there's, there, there's going to be people talking after that, uh, after the premiere episode uh, on November 4th. I'll, t- I'll just say that.
1: Speaking of that era, uh, one of our mutual buddies who uh, sold out the Superdome one time. And he's uh, not afraid to tell you about it. Uh, and our other, me and me and Mister Briscoe are the only friends uh, in the whole world of Bruce Pritchard. So we should have two commonalities between a free bird and Bruce Pritchard. The dude, dude, Duke that Bruce Pritchard has said <laughs> for years, he stole from you, right? Yeah,
2: that's one hundred percent accurate. One hundred percent. I love it. I yeah. love it. I used to you know, do that. Has
1: Bruce, has Bruce admitted that?
2: I mean, he knows it. I mean, I don't know. I <laughs> of course, <to> he does. <laughs> to admit it, and I was fine with it. You know, it's funny because you know I will call Bruce on the set of Young Rock all the time. I'll be like, "Hey, who did so and so face?" And like, "What is what is what was this person like backstage?" And and he's like, "Well, you know," and he'll he'll give me a great answer and very very helpful. And then when I see him, it's like, "Hey," and, and Michael's the same way too with the Michael Hayes character. They're both, my but Bruce specifically. Is like, hey, yeah, well, keep waiting for my paycheck from Young Rock to come in, considering uh, all this information I'm giving you all the time. And I'm like, Well, that's interesting because I'm waiting for all the royalties from the dude doot dude, dude fanny packs and t-shirts you sell. There, Bruce
0: can- has so many paychecks coming in, he wouldn't uh, just say Bruce, I sent it and if it'd be in that stack of paychecks. He wouldn't know. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's he, a- he got fifty sources of paychecks coming up. Oh out. yeah,
2: he's filthy rich. Well, I'm just saying we, we, we both kind of borrow from each other. Liberally, and uh, you know, are cool with it. At least I'm cool with it. I'm sure Bruce is too. I mean, he's you know, du- that's du-
0: not what he told us,
2: Brian. No, he but told us something. paper told is passionate in Connecticut. I
0: know that. Let's get off that subject area. I, I want to get on. And, and you know, Wrestler's Court is such a legendary part of 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 our business of WWE's business back, especially back back when all three of us were running around there. You you want of your what you got hauled into Wrestler's Court. Kind of walk us through what happened for you to get that and, and the scene? I read it in your wonderful book back there. There's one, just one problem by Brian Gewertz. And so you can get Did it on get Amazon. Did you get yours free, Mr. Yeah, I got mine right set to my doorstep, John. Wow.
1: I got mine set to my doorstep because of Amazon Prime, but I had to pay for it. Yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> you know, you don't know the right people. But anyway, tell us Literally about that chapter
1: one, and you'll be you
0: open. You open, you, open, you don't beat around the bush, brother. You go right right into the meat of WWE. Yeah, you go right into wrestlers' court to get everybody's attention. Well, yeah, just like exactly. you did in all those all those overtime uh, segments that you used to write for and uh,
2: ring segments. <laughs> well, that's how we used to write TV, right? You know, you got to like have something that captures the uh, attention right away. And I know if I'm like. Well, I started watching Taxi as a young... Like, nobody cares about that. You want to get into the stuff that everybody, you know, wants to hear about. So, Wrestler's Court, which was a complete shock to me, I mean, because I was riding high. People don't know, this Wrestler's Court happened literally. This was the SmackDown after WrestleMania 17, which was considered, you know, one of the greatest WrestleManias of all time. And I remember, um, you know, and I specifically... Um, was was producing all the backstage vignettes for WrestleMania 17, running around like a lunatic. And I was asking like, Bruce, are you going to help? He's like, I'm in the gimmick battle royal. I can't do anything. So I'm like, okay, great. So um, I was producing all of them and it was a huge success and really well received. And then we did, I think it was Rock versus uh, Austin in a cage the next night on Raw. Like another, you know, that's what kind of like was rock send off to then go to uh, you know, um, Scorpion King. And um and then Tuesday in Oklahoma City, um, I was told you're going to wrestlers court. And I it just blindsided me. I had no idea, A, what wrestlers court was, B, why I was going. Um, and then yeah, it was it, it was this whole thing where they're like, I'm like, don't we have a show to write? I'm like, ah, smack state, go to go to your wrestler's court um and and stephanie specifically said bring beer and pizza and in my head i'm just envisioning like this tribunal like this small like like six people on a panel um like like the opening of uh superman if if you remember that movie (laughs) except they'd be there live and not in like hologram form so anyways i ran to concessions concessions wasn't open yet i bribed the guy to get me a six pack and a box of pizza um, because I'm like, all right, we'll make this quick. And then when I showed up, it was literally every wrestler, every agent, every backstage production person, every the seamstresses, the caterers like, literally the entire company, except Vince, uh, was there. And it was me and Edge and Christian.
0: WWE uh, basically shut down that for that hour and a half where your wrestlers scored.
2: Absolutely, there was nothing going on, there was no rehearsals, there was no one going over their matches. Literally shut down. And this is and this- a
0: live three hour, two hour at the time uh, show that we got to produce for that night coming on air. And, and at the time don't change. So if we're taking the lead rider and putting him in wrestlers. Court. Well, Jerry, in, now,
1: in, in defense of WB, also, one of the first times we're on the new network, like Spike or whatever it was, we shut down the entire company to watch Chimmel race Jonathan Coachman <laughs> <laughs> and stayed around for a mile out. The entire rarity shut down um so yeah well, that I, was
2: not it was not unprecedented this was we, we would shut down for anything
0: <laughs> sorry Brian sorry Brian
2: <laughs> no this was like uh like like I think JR was getting beat up by Stone Cold I mean we we're in Oklahoma so of course yeah um but Stone Cold had just turned heel and joined forces with Mr. McMahon like my point is this is a huge huge show and we need to stop it for wrestlers court because I was accused of you know taking payola from Edge and Christian <laughs> specifically, I don't even know why Christian was there. He didn't give me anything. Um, <laughs> at least I got another gift out of it. Um, and the three of us were on trial for, you know, basically them giving me gifts for TV airtime, which, you know, was news to me. That's not why I was putting them on TV, but the subtext, as you always know, there's subtext behind the charges of wrestlers court. You know, it's like, uh, you're a little, you're too big for your britches or whatever, you know, in this particular case, it was you're getting too chummy with your best friends here at the expense of, you know, all the other wrestlers that, you know, you're you're not, you know, hanging out with and, and you know, playing games, you know, video games or whatever. Um, I'm not describing it well, but the point is everyone was there. Undertaker was the judge. Kane was the bailiff. I did not have a defense attorney. It never occurred to me. I had no idea what was happening. There was no like defense attorney. What? No. And then the prosecutor, the person who was basically conducting this, this sham of a trial, this witch hunt, Jam. Was, Jam. Was, was Bradshaw. He wasn't even JBL yet. He wasn't this clean cut. You know, Bermuda living, financial planning, <laughs> proud, you know, WWE Hall of Famer. This was long dyed black hair, mustache, beard, black, <laughs> you know, two months, two year a year or two removed from Uncle Zebekiah running around with his <laughs> rope and everything. This is like this is hardcore Bradshaw. This is scary Bradshaw. And he's the prosecutor. And yeah, that's how it started. It was very, you know, again, as outlined in the book, he's like, all right, Mr. Giewertz, are you ready for the trial? I don't sound like that. Yeah, you
1: don't. Jerry, do I sound like that?
0: Yes, you do.
2: (laughs) And I made the mistake of correcting you, which I shouldn't have done. Um, And then, yeah, you guys remember, because I remember Jerry was sitting right next to Kurt Angle And Kurt was uh, very nice enough to tip off Edge and Christian to what was happening to allow them to make props and gimmicks for the trial that got big laughs. He did not tip off me. (laughs) That's Um, right. So yeah, it was- They brought the book on uh, how to kiss ass. Yeah, yeah. They they made it pop the entire court. Yeah, and then when I tried to joke about the Flash's origin story because Edge had given me a Flash action figure, it was, you know, that like old Warner Brothers cartoon where the uh, where Bugs and Daffy are doing their shtick and Bugs does gets like huge applause and then Daffy does the same exact thing. It's just <laughs> dead silence. That was me with education, except instead of dead silence, it was actually open hostility. I, I, it was it was a very, very fun time. So but, uh, you have a good feeling about Wrestlers Court. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it was, you know, as I recall, the court, like after Edge and Christian did their, you know, did their comedy, <laughs> their prop comedy, um, the trial basically was just JBL Bradshaw just bringing out witness after witness after witness against me specifically. <laughs> So it was like, here's Hardcore Holly, and here's X-Pac, and here's Taz. And it's like, Taz, how many times have you produced Sunday Night Eve? Uh, All of them. How many times was Mr. Gerwitz there? Um, twice, once for the first show, and second time for Edge and Christian. No further questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you,
0: you mentioned the name there. Uh, to fill, fill us in a little bit on Hardcore Holly and, and your relationship up to that point. It was, pretty tight wasn't it
2: (laughs) well yeah it was well hardcore (laughs) holly bob holly was the one who saw um edge give me a flash action figure edge um was at a comic book store had a signing or something someone gave him a flash action figure he knew i liked the flash which i did although i'm kind of a poster because i stopped reading comic books in like 1985 but i didn't tell them that i'd still wear the t-shirts and stuff so he gave me the doll bob saw it that's what kind of uh, prompted the court to be in session. I didn't realize and, that. I couldn't remember what caused the court to be commenced for anyway. Yeah, that was it. It was Bob seeing the- uh, He was trans-
0: an eyewitness on the bribery. Then.
2: Yeah, eyewitness for bribery, but it wasn't like, great, <laughs> we're gonna be in- <laughs> second, Eyewitness <sixth."> to bribery. <laughs> yeah. It was just like, oh, here's this flash thing someone gave me, okay, great. Um, but that was a lot of time, If you guys remember um, I was also accused of bringing Edge and Christian to my parents' home on Long Island for dinner, which people absolutely 100% like believe that happened. And that never happened. It wasn't even like a, we planned it and then we called it off. Like That literally was never a thing that was even discussed. But it was still, you know, like Steve Blackman swore by it. It's like, well, that's not what I heard. I know you guys. And I'm like, well, what if I did? So what? How does that, how does that affect any of you? But the point is, all of it, you know, um, w- was really to send a message, which I didn't, you know, fully appreciate at the time. But I did as time went on, which is like, like if we didn't like you or, or think you had potential, well, certainly at the time, Bob Holly, Xbox, and those, they did not like me. Don't get me wrong, but if we didn't at least think like we you had some potential. Um, we wouldn't be having shutting down the entire backstage of SmackDown. for That's an hour 100% a hundred percent. Right. That's a hundred percent. Right. We we never goes when court would work, people would
1: come to like me or take her and say, Hey, we want to take this person wrestler's court or whatever, over something, you know, usually silly or, you know, whatever it was. But if it's a guy we didn't care about or girl, we never took him to court. Yeah. They're not going to be here very long and it doesn't matter. There's no reason to do it. It's just going to end up in a fight or something. If it was somebody that that we thought belonged, we would do it and make it entertaining and have a good time, and everybody would hopefully end up at the end of it coming together and having being friends,
2: which was the idea. Which yeah, and I really uh, you know I appreciated I appreciated a little bit at the time. I appreciated even way more as time you know you know expanded. Um, I remember because it was starting. It wasn't fun when, when we were getting into the my stuff. I remember Kurt looking a little peeved, and I wrote about in the book. I mean, Mr. Briscoe, uh, I think I think Kurt Angle has something to say about this. And uh, and then you turn to Kurt and like, oh, Kurt, do you finally someone on behalf of the defense would you like to say something on behalf of Mr. Giewertz? I don't Kurt sound like Briscoe. that, John. <laughs> Kurt rises up and then he goes, no, no, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the hell? <laughs> And then he, afterwards, he explained to me like, "Oh man, if I said something on your behalf, it would have made it twenty times worse." And Jericho was like, "Oh, you should have asked me to be your defense attorney. I would have, I would have buried you, but it would have helped you in the long run." I'm like, "I brought a single pizza and beer and a six pack of beer. I thought there'd be six people here. I had no idea there'd be like literally over." That 50 was actually
1: people. one of the funnest parts, as Jerry knows, was the was the defense attorney, because there's yeah. always a the defense attorney that would have some preposterous claim. That they would say uh, takes this person and makes them uh, obviously innocent which <laughs> never worked no
2: but you know and then pat came in late and pat didn't you know couldn't read the room and you know it was like real serious at the time and pat and my pat is even worse than my jbl my pat sounds like count dracula pat is like <laughs> that little shit he changes the matches <laughs> <laughs> um, You know, and then Heyman testified, like it was a whole, whole thing. And then I know at one point Austin just walked out because he's like, this is, um, um, why are we wasting so much time on this? Um, But, you know, ultimately it was for the best. I think it really did, you know, strengthen, you know, my resolve. And I remember afterwards Pat came up to apologize. He's like, I thought everyone was ribbing. I didn't know it was serious. And then I actually asked Pat for one of his cigarettes and smoked it then and there after court had ended. That's just how traumatic it was. I remember,
0: I remember that too.
2: I never smoked a cigarette after that, but <laughs> it, uh, one of Pat's cigarettes at the time. Um, and yeah, it was, it was you know, and then the show went on and Vince was like, ha, 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 all right, seg one, where are we? I'm like, where are we? I've been, I've been fighting for my life for the past 90 minutes. I don't know where we are. I can't even think about the show now. It's so, Brian, a-
0: that, that, that was one of your beginning uh, deals, but I I wasn't I would not there. But I reading your book, I I read your last appearance at WWE. Uh, you know, you've been you've been drugged through wrestlers' courts. You you know, ribbed and everything because people really admired and respected you. Respected you, and and you know, as, a, a, as an as outsider coming in, how hard that respect is because you see many writers come in and last a week. Just cause they didn't get along, but anyway, tell us a little bit about your last appearance and the emotional. I, I know departure. you got to be
1: gone here in
2: about three minutes, so we. I, get in I, that's why right, again. I, 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 that like I, like I might have ten minutes. Um, yeah. Well, it was yeah. First of all, thank you. First of all, thank you, Jerry, because as I did write in the book, and I never forgot it. I was so frazzled, like my first you first or second week that first of all, I'd always run in interrupting people without waiting for them to finish talking, which people do to me now, and I lose my mind. And I was doing it back then, it's just so tunnel vision. Um, and then I ran up to you and you know, asked you something, and then you gave me an answer. And I very suavely and confidently said, thank you, Jack. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, that's something Uh, you don't normally do, uh, you know, to survive long. Especially somebody
0: I never met my brother. Yeah,
2: exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that was fun. Um, But yeah, the last, my last show at WWE working officially, because whenever Rock comes back, I still come back too. But, you know, the last official show was at, um, was in Washington, D.C., which was the same arena, exact same arena that my first show was at, uh, where Dr. Tom, you know, told me to sit at the front of the table. So that was really cool to be able to, uh, you know, finally like like bookend it like that. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, there's like a lot of uh, stories as, as all of us have a lot of crazy up and down stories with uh, Vince, with Mr. McMahon. Um, You know, and I certainly went through my share of them, uh, both good and bad. Uh, I get into, you know, the, you know, kind of, for the most part, it was actually smooth, very smooth sailing. Um, But then like the last, you know, year, basically once I took myself off the road to join the home team, which was an experiment that I was trying to do at the time to stop traveling and stop going to TV. Uh, That's when things started to fracture a little bit. Um, but it ultimately all came full circle and, uh, you know, I had a really, you know, nice heartwarming uh, moment with with Vince, with Paul, with Stephanie, um, you know, I think Shane was there too. Um, I'm not 100% sure I'm trying to remember, but either way, it was like, it was really heartwarming to be able to like, you know, be at that same arena um, 16 years later. Oh, wow after like so many promos, so many angry stares from Gerald Briscoe in Gorilla Position as a rock promo is designated for 12 minutes and we're at the six minute mark and he hasn't started yet because he's (laughs) taken in the crowd. And Jerry looking at me like, wow, what are you, what? 12 minutes, how do you?
0: this, This
2: is a live show. And then later, Kidman. Like every, I have so much heat with the people with the stopwatch at the uh, gorilla position who are timing the show, and his job it is to keep the show running and moving and make sure that we go off the air on time. Um, because, well, let's just say a good portion of my segments would sometimes, occasionally, go heavy. Guys um, okay. like <laughs> Raw, too, where it's like SmackDown. It was like, all right, well, we'll fix it and post or whatever. Raw, you don't have that. Uh, you don't have that luxury. So. Yeah, I'm sorry for um, for an occasional promo. Certainly, no more than three or four over the course of sixteen years. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, what time? Dude. Yeah,
1: Brian. Before you go, one one question I want to ask because I saw you an interview you did that where you were answering this question. We did research on you, by the way. That's amazing. We enjoyed it, and uh, yeah, either. promos. And I'm not talking about bashing the current group. I don't. We don't do that. Uh, but like the difference in promos my generation and especially older jerry's generation could not read a script i guarantee it. a lot of people from this generation
2: can't ad lib which works better you think i think um i you know it's because both both
1: can be very successful and both have been very successful that's the reason i ask.
2: yeah no and, and look a lot of um there's a lot of wrestlers that um, at least when I started, I actually liked getting the proverbial piece of paper. You know, Kurt was like that. Kurt was just like, just tell me what to say. I don't have to worry about it. I'll just, like a machine, like input it into my brain and I'll deliver it flawlessly. A Kurt lot of people memorized the whole paper, right? Yeah. It, it was insane. He'd just go off and, okay, take all the time you need. Um, I'll try to get it to you as early as possible. And then, yeah, and out he would come with the whole thing. Um, but I think, you know, it's interesting because WWE, it's like Vince, I know, took a stance at a certain point where it's like, well, this is an entertainment show on television. And, you know, if you are going to compare it to Saturday Night Live, which is, you know, almost, almost, you know, at least in the ballpark of the same comp as far as a long running institution of a show that has a revolving cast and a revolving set of writers and, and has its stars and it's, you know, up and coming people and all that kind of thing um and and his his viewpoint was like well they don't just go out and improvise like everything is scripted you need to know what they're saying because the camera needs to know like you know the reaction shots the, the truck needs to know blah 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 um at the same time as you guys are well aware of up until you know maybe 2002 2003 you're talking decades upon decades upon decades of very very successful wrestling which the concept of someone writing a script would be laughed out of the building you would never do that that's you know, all the people who've gotten over in the history of the business did so on their own. That's how, that's how you survived. You got yourself over, whether through your work or through your promo or more than likely a combination of both. Um, So, you know, I was put in a position where some people definitely wanted like, okay, what do you got for me? And other people were like, oh my God, this fucking guy, I got, (laughs) you know, and I, you know, and, and I'm talking, you know, specifically about someone like Steve Austin, who, you know, became the most over talent in the history of the business. Um, uh, The last thing I wanted to do was give him a piece of paper. Um, But at the same time, I'm ping-ponging between him and Vince, because Vince is like, okay, this is now a publicly traded company. And it's not the same as like 1998, 1999. We're now, you know, we're trying to to attract sponsors. I want to know exactly what he's going to say. So it was, it put me in a very precarious position um, because the people who didn't want... It, word for word, I certainly didn't want to dictate to them and tell them to do it word for word. If you know, it, it, but at the same time, the boss wanted it that way. Um, so I always think it's a you know the best use of a writer, a WWE writer, is a sounding board. And I mean, that's how you did your promos, John. I mean, you were, you basically had the ability to rattle off an entire twenty minute promo off the top of your head, but you had you had someone whether it was you know sometimes it was Alex Greenfield sometimes it was me if I was at Smackdown sometimes it was you know DJ or whoever um to be like okay here's here's all the points I'm going to make here's everything I'm going to say hey what if you said this hey yeah that's a good idea I can include that or nah I think I'll just keep it this way or whatever it is I think that is the most effective version of it and I think they're going more towards that now in 2022 from from what I've you know in terms of talking to wrestlers talking to writers I think it's kind of con full circle now to where it is where it was you know when I was working there which was at least when I was working there earlier on which is like a yeah let me get together with the talent let's see what they what their thoughts are let's see you know I'll add some things or at least construct it so you know everyone kind of has a good idea of where it's going um because like when you have a talent In my opinion, when you have a talent that's like comfortable in their own skin and truly feeling the promo and the character and feeling what that character would say because that's what that character would do as opposed to, well, let me say this line because this line was approved and I need to say this line because it's written on a paper. Those I think are the crappy promos. (laughs) The ones, you know, when you take a JBL promo where he's like, you know, it's just like coming from his heart. You could tell he's in full JBL mode He's in full like one hundred percent ownership of that character. and you know like this is like no one else would say this promo. only JBL would say this promo because that's JBL. If you have a promo where you click, where you just look at it on paper and you say, all right, who who said that? Oh God, I don't know. It could be anybody. That's usually a crappy promo because you know the uh, the promo itself has to be so ingrained into the specific character in order for it to work. So that's that's my feeling is that it's always a healthy combination with the talent leading the charge, ideally. Um, But if they have a million other things to worry about, like a 20 minute match or, you know, (laughs) and and that's something writers can't really, you know, contextualize because they don't take bumps. They don't, you know, they have no idea like what the mechanics in terms of going into, a, you know, like I'd forget everything after two seconds if I was ever in a match. So sometimes you'll yeah, all right, why don't you take the lead? put something together, show me what I've got, show, show me what I've got, and then I'll give you feedback. Um, sometimes that works, sometimes the opposite way works, but it's always much better to be working together as opposed to like, here, this was approved. Can I change it? I'll have to ask, you know, that's the worst. Right. <laughs> and that was, you know, unfortunately, I think that was the case for, for many years, just because for many different factors, including time, including sponsorships, including PG, blah, 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 blah um, but fortunately, I think um, you know that's all changing now.
1: Yeah, it's just interesting because every generation will argue that one generation or another is better, but they're all they all drew money. You know, we we drew great ratings in attitude era. After the attitude area. these guys today are still drawing great ratings and huge crowds. So there, it's there. There's several different ways it can work. And Brian, I know you got to run, so I, <laughs> I want to thank you for coming on the show. I, I
0: have uh, one. I have one last question. That's a yes or no. Brian, did you ever have? any uh, any desire
2: to, to be a character in a ring? No. Okay, thank you. Oh, let, me, let me qualify that, because I did write about in the book. For like half a second, when I very first started, I was like, in the back of my mind, I was like, hmm, well, maybe maybe I could be, I can't be, I can't take, maybe I could be a new mean gene. And I could, you know, be like, and then I saw what it actually takes that goes into that. And and the way they're, you know, almost sometimes the, the backstage announcers get more, you know, uh, notes and abuse than anybody. Um, so I think like, there was like maybe a one week period in 2000 where I was like, maybe, and then that completely no. went away. And I was like, no, Smart thank man. you. I'm totally happy doing what I'm doing.
1: Well,
2: too, I think if you, uh, once you start actually becoming an onscreen character and you have the proverbial pencil Oh, uh, yeah. I don't think anything good can come of that. Rarely ever
1: works. Never. <laughs>
2: well, Brian, you're
1: one of the good guys, and uh, you're one of the best guys, because you're certainly one of the smartest guys. And me and Jerry <laughs> had to wait two years to get you on the show. And it was <laughs> worth every second. So, Brian, thank it, you yeah. so much. We're happy for your success. Can't wait for Tales of the Territories for your book that uh, I've already read.
2: Well, and, October and,
0: and, 4th. October 4th. Sorry, Gerald. Yes.
2: <laughs> yes. And, and, and by the way, John, if I ever write a second book, uh i promise to uh get it to you at a slight discount
0: (laughs) (laughs) i still get my discount though yeah no you still get a comp
2: (laughs) unbelievable